welcome to episode 121 of the first 40 miles. If you're new to backpacking, or if you're hopelessly in love with someone who wants you to love backpacking, then this podcast is for you. We'll talk about the essentials, how to lighten your load, and how to make the most of your time on the trail. I'm your host, Heather Legler. And I'm Josh Legler. And this is The First 40 Miles. Today on The First 40 Miles, Rope, the Knot Episode. We'll be extremely judicious with the knot puns and deliver some solid info on how to start incorporating these mathematical beauties into your outdoor adventures. For today's Summit Gear Review, a cheap way to get a whole lot of line that'll keep your tarp from flying away. Next on the Backpack Hack of the Week, a quick way to mark your rope. And we'll wrap up with some trail wisdom that may give you an idea of how to tie this country together. Using knots, of course. All this and that's about it. Today on the first 40 miles. I love knots. They're just so fun. I love knots too, but you really love knots. You (laughs) love, love, love knots. It's really cool. Like, I love that you love knots, and I love that you know how to do knots. And maybe it's because of the, there's sort of a math involved. Even Shakespeare liked knots. To be or not to be. <laughs> there's only two ways of being, either with or without knots. That's the question. <laughs> well, is it possible to go backpacking without knowing a single knot? Yep, it totally is. Yeah, and I think at first, knots are super intimidating. Like you said, they're mathematical. And that can be kind of tricky for some people. But I think as you progress, you know, as you learn more skills and then you want to learn more, you know, the deeper you get into a topic, the more you want to learn about it. It's useful and even fun to learn a few knots. They're kind of, I think they're learned by muscle memory, mostly. And so it's kind of like uh, watching someone play the piano. And it's just, you think, I could never play the piano. I mean, if you don't play the piano and you listen to someone playing it, it just seems so far out of reach that it's like, well, why should I even try? But the cool thing with knots is that you could just pick one knot. It's like a four-key piano. You could just learn to play the four-key piano instead of the 88-key piano. You can do that. And then you can pick another knot. And as you develop the muscle memory and you actually start using them, that's how you'll remember them. And you can just kind of pick them up one by one. So, Josh, what are the qualities of a good knot? Well, of course, a good knot has to do its job, right? If you need to secure something or you need to make a loop or shorten a rope or whatever, you know, number one is the knot has to actually do what you needed it to do and be secure. But the cool thing about a good knot is it goes beyond just doing the job. It has other qualities. And one of the most important qualities is that it can be undone. So if you tie a knot that technically gets the job done, you know, and it's nice and secure, but then you notice that after you've put a load on it and then you're ready to pack up and go home and you try to untie that knot and it's impossible to untie, that was the wrong knot for that job. Yeah, it did the job, 
But now that knot is stuck forever in your rope. You can't untie it. A good knot is really secure when there's a load on it or when it's doing its job, whatever that job is. But then when you take the load off, when it's done with the job, it's also easy to untie the knot. And something that goes along with that is how the knot impacts the strength of the line. And so those poor knots, the same ones that are really hard to untie, they're also putting stress on the line in such a way that they're weakening it. And a good knot is distributing that load more efficiently and is not weakening the line as much as a bad knot is. And the more you learn about knots, the more you'll discover that every knot has its strengths and its weaknesses. And some of that even depends on what type of rope or cordage you're using for that knot. For example, the bowline knot is easy to tie and untie. However, it can't be untied with a load on it. And it doesn't do well with slippery line. So if you're using the bowline to rescue an injured person and you have, you know, some slippery rope, you'll probably also have to use a stopper knot. Another popular knot that we all probably learned in elementary school is the friendship knot or the square knot. And it's really easy to learn. However, one of its weaknesses is that it's prone to jamming or slipping under a heavy load, which I don't know why it's called the friendship knot if those are its characteristics, but you know, so that's one of the little quirks about that knot. The sheepshank knot is one that's really popular for shortening a long length of cord, but that knot only works when there's a constant tension on the two ends. Otherwise, that knot gets loose. So as you learn about different knots, you'll learn when it's appropriate to use one and when maybe there's a better knot to use. So we have two resources that we wanted to talk about for people who want to get into knots. And this first one we'll have a link to in the show notes. It's Scouting Magazine, and it'll teach you just some really simple basics for knot tying. And then the other resource that we wanted to tell you about is at the complete other end of the spectrum. It's a book called the Ashley Book of Knots. This book contains more than 3,800 numbered entries. And I said numbered entries instead of knots because some knots repeat themselves. They just have different names or different uses. And then it has over 7,000 illustrations. So this is considered the Bible of knots and it should be available in your local library. The Ashley Book of Knots was written by Clifford W. Ashley. It was published back in 1944, so it's still technically under copyright, even though Mr. Ashley has passed away. He actually had a stroke a year after the Ashley Book of Knots was published. By the way, Mount Ashley, south of the Bay of Isles in South Georgia, is named after Clifford Ashley. And South Georgia probably isn't where you think it is. It's a polar island, really cold. Not really a booming tourist industry there, but if you like, I don't know, whaling, then <laughs> check out South Georgia. The Ashley Book of Knots has all the standard knots, of course, that you're familiar with or that you've heard of, but it also has some weird knots, like knot number 1237, which is the Girl Scout hitch, which involves rolling your stocking down, 
putting your finger under the roll, then twisting it several times and tucking the loop into the stocking. It's a crackerjack way of keeping your stocking from rolling down. Yeah, from back in the days when <laughs> stockings didn't have uh, spandex in them. I huh? guess so. Oh, and a little pro tip. If you want to really sound like an insider when it comes to the Ashley Book of Knots, it's called the ABOK. A-B-O-K. Nice. Very cool. Another great resource if you are a little bit slow on the pickup like I am with knots, um, animatednots.com is awesome because it will show you step by step with animation how to put together a knot. And usually it's like, you know, four or five moves. It's a little bit like dancing with rope. But, um, yeah, they take you through nice and slow so you can really learn the knot well and see each step of the process. And if you really get into knots, there's actually this kind of um, theory or belief that knots are not invented but discovered. Kind of like the elements on the periodic table, that we know that there's one that goes there and we can discover it but they all exist. They're not invented. Anyway, it's that kind of a, just kind of that belief or theory uh, that goes with that. But in the field of mathematics, there is specifically something called knot theory, and it does have something to do with real world knots. And so you can check out knot theory and see how they've come up with mathematical representations of the different sorts of loops that can be made when you're tying knots. That's fascinating stuff, at least to me. <laughs> kind of the geeky stuff. <laughs> I love it. Well, if you are totally not averse, or I guess averse to knots, <laughs> then there are not tools or not avoiders that you can use. And I guess they're kind of, I guess these things are more fun to use if you do know knots. They're not totally um, for people who hate knots, but Dutchware and the Loop Alien. And there's even some stuff that Night Eyes has put out that will kind of help you secure gear without necessarily knowing or learning a knot. But we don't want to let you off the hook completely because we do believe that there are some great reasons to learn some knots for your next backpacking trip. And just to clarify, by knots, we mean knots, hitches, and bends. There's so much to learn. So much. <laughs> Josh, I'm going to let you take over from here because I think if someone out there needs to be sold on knots, I'm the guy. You are the guy <laughs> to do it. Well, we'll see how I do. But for today's top five list, we have the top five reasons that you should learn a few knots. And the number one reason is that knots are great for securing your gear whether it's gear on your backpack or gear that you're setting up at camp. One of the most common uses of knots that we have on our backpacking trips, especially in the rainy Northwest, is to set up a tarp when we get to camp. So we've got a place to cook dinner and, you know, and relax without getting dumped on by all the rain. And when you're setting up that tarp, you've got all these lines going out, you know, the four corners and the peaks and a few extra lines coming out all over the place. Boy, knots really come in handy for setting up those tarps. Similarly, if you're hammock camping, yep, there's gear that'll do a hammock setup with no knots at all. But if you know some knots, 
it's actually really easy once you've learned those knots to set up your hammock and set up your tarp just entirely using knots in the lines that came with your gear. One of the hammocks that we borrowed from Jonathan at the Hang Your Own Hang podcast when we did our little hammock experiment was from Hennessy Hammocks. And that hammock relied on the double figure eight knot to secure the hammock to the tree. So there was no hardware, which means it was much lighter and much simpler. But you do have to know that double figure eight knot. We also used the Prusik hitch on that same trip to attach our tarp to the ridgeline so that ridgeline wouldn't cause wear and tear on the tarp. And of course, on our show, we're talking about how knots are so great for backpacking. But if you're into backpacking and fishing, fishermen already know the importance of a great knot. Without knots, fishermen wouldn't catch anything. They got another knots. True. The number two reason you should learn a few knots is because knots are great for fixing problems or repairing gear. Let's say you have a strap on your backpack that breaks. It could be a shoulder strap, the hip belt, hopefully not, or it could just be one of those load securing straps on the outside of your pack somewhere and it breaks. Well, if you have a little bit of line that you've packed and you know your knots, you can improvise something to get that strap back to, you know, at least doing the job it needs to do until you can get home and do a proper repair. And I don't know if anyone else has had this problem where you pack everything into your pack so tight that when you pull it out the first night, you're like, oh no, there's no way I'm getting all this stuff packed back in the way that I packed it in. And so having rope and knowing how to tie a few knots might help you get out of that sticky situation. You'll be able to maybe fit things onto the outside of your pack and secure it with some rope. And then even something as simple as keeping your pants from falling down. You know, just ask our (laughs) nine-year-old, a little bit of rope with the right knot is now a belt. (laughs) Or a little bit of rope with the wrong knot is now permanent pants. Right. Either way. (laughs) You can also tie a rope around your pack so that you can hang your jacket, and a secure knot means secure gear. The third reason you should learn to tie a few knots is because knots make your rope more useful. You've got rope that you brought with you or even, you know, some kind of maybe guy lines that came with your tent or your tarp or your hammock, all these things that came with your gear, but if you know a few knots, you can make it a lot more useful and you can preserve your rope. So take, for example, the need to shorten your rope. Well, one way to shorten your rope is to cut it. And once you cut your rope, well, you've damaged it. Uh, You could tie it back together, but it'll never be as strong as it was when it was one continuous piece of rope. So use the sheep shank. With the sheep shank knot, you can shorten your rope without having to cut it. And when it's time to uh, take everything down, that sheep shank will undo very easily. So it's not going to be permanently tied in your rope. And if you did end up having to cut your rope, you can also use the fisherman's knot because that can combine two ropes of the same diameter together. And if you need to combine two ropes of different diameters, then there's the sheet bend. And the fourth reason you should learn a few knots is because knots can rescue. If you have a friend who has fallen... Dangling some cord is a nice gesture, but it's probably not going to help. Even knowing something as simple as a stopper knot to tie to the very end of your cord can help a lot because it gives your friend something to grab onto. 
found this story in the news recently about two sisters that were hiking, and one of the sisters lost her footing in kind of a precarious spot and slipped right off the path and fell probably 30 feet down. And on her way down, she happened to grab onto this root. In fact, in the article, it said that she doesn't even know how she grabbed onto the root. She was just like, all of a sudden she stopped falling and she was holding onto this root. It was just kind of this surreal experience. Um, so she held on for 45 minutes, just hoping that she would be rescued. Well, it happened to be on the trail that day, there were some members of the Mazama's climbing group, which boy, if you're going to fall off the trail, that is who you want at the top of the trail. So she said, all of a sudden, I see a man climbing down and I think, what is he doing? He's risking his life and I'm hanging on for mine. And of course, the group, they were just on a hike. They weren't planning on rescuing anyone that day. But what they did was amazing. They started taking shirts and tying them together and helped this girl back up on the trail. It was just one of those amazing moments where everything kind of combined together. People were thinking quickly and she was able to be rescued by this man who put together this clothing rope. And the fifth reason you should learn a few knots is that just knowing a few basic knots really increases your confidence when you're out in the wilderness. You know, if the granny knot or a simple overhand is all you know, it kind of limits how you can use the stuff that you brought, your your line or even your clothing <laughs> if needed for a rescue. You, you just, you're just kind of crippled in what you can do with what you've got. But if you know a few knots, or perhaps maybe you've just downloaded a knot tying app onto your smartphone so you can look up a knot that's right for the job and you can use that knot, you'll get a big confidence boost because you know that when a situation comes along, there's something that you can do about it. So Josh, you seem to be very confident in your use of knots in the wilderness. Do you have any favorite knots that you come back to frequently that are just like solid, useful knots? Yeah, I do. And I wouldn't say I'm very confident. I, I love learning knots and I would really like to learn a lot more than what I do know. I tend to fall back to my old standbys that I know that, you know, I've got the muscle memory. I can tie them every time. I don't forget them, but I really do want to learn more. Anyway, the old standbys are probably the ones I learned in Boy Scouts. So, you know, the simple overhand, the square knot, um, the double half hitch. If I just need to wrap a rope around a tree and, you know, it just needs to stay attached to the tree, that's a great one to use. Uh, the taut line hitch, if I want something that wraps around a tree or a stake or something but is adjustable so I can tighten up the line. Taut line can slip a little more than some other knots, but I remember how to tie it, so that's important for me. Uh, the trucker's hitch, that's one that you and I have picked up more recently, and the leverage that it gives you, oh, kind of wow. like a pulley system, yeah, is really cool. Like It's amazing. You, you just start pulling on that trucker's hitch, and your line gets super tight because of all that extra leverage. And so it's fun to learn these new ones and go, whoa, that really helps. Um, but yeah, the, the sheep shank we mentioned for shortening a rope temporarily, uh, the sheet bend for attaching two lines of different diameters, the clove hitch I use once in a while, 
I learned that when I was learning how to do lashings in Boy Scouts. Um, but it comes in handy for other things where you just need to attach a line to a log. And a few fun ones that I hardly ever use, like the timber hitch. I mean, when you have a need to drag a piece of timber, pull out the timber hitch. <laughs> <laughs> how about you? Well, um, I really enjoyed learning the taut line because... As soon as I learned it, I was able to teach it to the girls at girls camp. And they had so much fun with that one. So we did the tot line and the slip knot at girls camp. And then, like you said, the trucker's hitch was such a useful knot. And it just gets it so much tighter and, you know, makes your tarp so you can bounce a quarter on it. It's just amazing. <laughs> I love it. And then one we learned from Jonathan, which was really helpful, was the alpine butterfly. And that makes a really solid loop in your knot so that you can attach things onto it or you can use it to tie the trucker's hitch. And who did the music video about the trucker's hitch? Oh, it's a group called Elvis. I don't know exactly how to pronounce it, but yes, they're the same group that did What Does the Fox Say? Kind of an off-the-wall group. But yeah, definitely that's a fun one. We should put the link in the show notes today for the trucker's hitch music video. It's a song about this man whose quest in life is to be able to do the trucker's hitch. And I found this video because I was so frustrated with trying to learn how to do the trucker's hitch. There was something about it I did not understand. And I googled it and this video came up and I was like, what is this? So yeah, we'll have the link to that in the show notes for sure. <laughs> Hey, one other thing about knots that we didn't mention is that knots can be used to take the law into your own hands. Oh, really? There is a handcuff knot, which is featured on the cover of Ashley's Book of Knots, the ABOC. So if you ever needed to take the law into your own hands, there is a knot for that. I'm trying to imagine a backpacking trip. Where that's a... And someone litters and you're like, that's illegal. Citizen's arrest. <laughs> I hope that never happens. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. <laughs> so taking the time to learn a few knots for your next backpacking trip will help you secure your gear. It may help you repair your gear. It'll make your rope so much more useful. You may have an opportunity to rescue someone. And just knowing a few basic knots will vastly increase your confidence in the wilderness. And it's just plain fun. Uh, okay, maybe I'm weird, but... <laughs> If I have a little bit of downtime on a backpacking trip with nothing to do, sometimes I'll just pull that rope out of my 10 essentials kit and I'll just sit and start playing with it. It's that fun. For today's Summit Gear Review, we will be reviewing braided mason line. If you're looking for something cheap and effective to throw into your pack so that you can practice knots for your next trip, braided mason line is a decent option. So if you're familiar with paracord, we can kind of use that as a reference. Braided mason line is much thinner than paracord. It's about maybe a fifth as thick as traditional paracord. And your hardware store will probably have two different kinds of mason line. There's twisted mason line and there's braided mason line. Get the braided mason line. If you get the twisted it will untwist. Even if you melt the ends of it, it will still untwist. So the braided is much more secure. Mason line is made of nylon and it comes in several different colors. Not a whole lot of colors, but enough to make life interesting. 
and it comes in different weights, but you'll want to get the 18 gauge braided mason line. For utility, braided mason line has an approximate tensile strength of 155 pounds. So this rope is not going to take you to Mount Everest, but it's probably going to do just what you need it to do on a simple backpacking trip. And it's abrasion resistant. So it's going to work great for things like uh, guy lines on a tarp or a tent or, you know, the various little things that hanging up your bear bag, all of that stuff. Just simple stuff that isn't going to take more than 155 pounds. The colors that it comes in are usually like a fluorescent pink, fluorescent yellow, fluorescent green, and white. So it comes in colors that are really easy to see. And that can be helpful while you're backpacking to be able to see your line. I don't know, some people go for the camouflage, you know, they want to be all stealth, but I'm always afraid I'm going to lose my camp. So the fluorescent is great. I'm also afraid of losing my head. You're walking around and all of a sudden you walk through your guy line and... <laughs> Just gets tangled in your face. Bright is good. For mass, the braided mason line is much lighter than paracord, much thinner. The mass is just going to depend on the length of the mason line that you cut. The heaviest part of the mason line when you buy it in the store is that cardboard tube that comes in the middle of the mason line. So just cut the line that you need for the trip and leave the rest at home. As far as maintenance goes, mason line resists moisture, dryness, and mildew. But you'll probably want to check periodically, kind of like with every rope, check for those frays and nicks that could compromise the integrity of the rope. And as with all gear, make sure you put it away dry. For investment, depending on the length of the braided mason line, you'll find it for somewhere between eight and $15. And it comes in various lengths, usually between 250 to 500 feet. For trial, We've brought this braided mason line on several backpacking trips, and it has held up under some very windy conditions without snapping or fraying, which really surprised me because the wind that was coming through our campsite was pretty intense. And so I was impressed that it held up under those conditions. Because mason line is so thin, I would actually recommend spooling it instead of just winding it. You know how usually with paracord, you just kind of wind it around your hand and then wrap the last foot kind of around what you've wound up. Um, the mason line is just so thin that it gets tangled really easily. So if you have some kind of spool, you know, like a stick that you want to wind it around, that would be great because then you'll decrease the chances of it getting all tangled up. As I mentioned a moment ago, I carry some line in my 10 essentials kit. It just comes in handy for lots of things. And it's gone through an evolution and still is going through an evolution, just like everything else in my 10 essentials, you know, where I used to have this large plastic first aid kit that has now shrunk down to basically a plastic baggie with some stuff in it. And I used to have a pretty good sized pocket knife with a wooden handle that has shrunk down to uh, almost miniature pocket knife that's super light. You know, and everything in my 10 essentials has kind of gone through that evolution as I get better gear. And this line was no exception. For years, I carried about 20 feet of this kind of quarter inch braided nylon line. It wasn't terribly strong. It was probably pretty cheap. It was just what I had, you know, it's what was in the garage. So it ended up in my 10 essentials and it took a while before I realized I could really save a little weight and space by going to something smaller. So I think I went to 
a kind of a paracord that was probably half the thickness. And so instantly 20 feet of paracord is now taking half as much space in my pack. No, less than half as much because, you know, pi r squared and all that. <laughs> yeah, so a quarter as much space, I guess. But I think my next step might be to throw out that paracord and replace it with this mason line because all the stuff that I use that line for is pretty lightweight, light-duty stuff. Like the 150-pound tensile strength should be enough for pretty much everything I do. We just have to make sure if we do have to rescue someone that none of us weighs over 155 pounds. Right. All right. <laughs> or, or bounces on the rope to make a, right. a force of over 150, which would be extremely easy to do. Right. Yeah. So yep. maybe have to double up the mason line braid it or twist. I guess we could take two braided mason lines and twist them together. And I don't know if that doubles the strength or not. Probably less than double, but... I don't know. We'll have to research rope theory now. I guess so. See what we can learn. But, you know, if you are looking for something that's stronger than mason line, but just as petite as mason line, there is something called zing it or lash it. They're made by the same company, but one is fluorescent and one is kind of a gray color and they're very strong. They have about a 400 pound tensile strength and there's different thicknesses of this spectra cord, but the zingit and lashet I think are pretty popular among backpackers. It's really mm. slippery stuff, but um, uh. and it's pretty expensive, uh. but it's uh, stronger than steel or something. You know, it's, <laughs> it's pretty intense, pretty, pretty powerful stuff. Okay. Well, maybe mason line is my next step in my 10 essentials kit. And I don't know. Yeah, I'll have to think about the zing it or lash it. I mean, the slipperiness. Yeah, you've got to know the perfect knots to deal with that rope. Right. Yeah. But what I love about mason line is it's cheap. It's bright. It's easy to find at almost any hardware store. And it does the job. For today's backpack hack of the week, striped line. So in my pack, I have some short lengths of mason line and I have some longer lengths of mason line. And to differentiate the lines from each other, all I did was I wrapped the long cord around my hand and then I took a Sharpie and I drew lines across the cord with the Sharpie. So it was kind of a zebra striped effect. That way I knew which line was the longer cord without having to unravel the entire length of cord. Man, that seems so simple, but yeah, you're right. When you're digging into your pack, you really can't tell the difference between that five foot section of line and that 10 foot long section of line. They all kind of look and feel about the same when you're digging around in your pack. So, wow, that's, it's so easy, but I hadn't thought of it. It only works if you never cut the line, you know, <laughs> like if you have this 12 foot length of line and it's all marked with your zebra stripes and then you cut it. Well, it's kind of. Yeah. So after you mark it, don't cut it. Or I guess you could decide to mark your short lengths. Oh, yeah. And leave the long ones unmarked. And then if you do end up cutting one of your longer ones, then when you get home, you can mark it because now it's short. Good point. Good hack. Well, either way works. And we'll leave you today with a little trail wisdom from our good friends on the trail, the President's Commission on Americans Outdoors. They said, We can tie this country together with threads of green that everywhere grant us access 
to the natural world. That's it for today. Thank you for listening. If you've been on a backpacking trip, share your story at thefirst40miles.com slash story. We'll see you next time on The First 40 Miles. A book the size of what's a really well known book? Trail Fuel. <laughs> <laughs>